You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ 750 AM. This is an element of programming of Catholic Chicago. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And I'm Timothy Johnston from Liturgy Training Publications. We are both in the studio. We haven't been both in the studio for a little while. For a little while, yeah. A month and a, two months maybe, but um, we are socially distanced. <laughs> and we have we have Lysol wipes right between <laughs> us. <laughs> right, right, easily accessible. We are here every fourth Wednesday of the month, and our whole... Um, uh, our whole show is always, always, always centered on some aspect of the communal corporate prayer life of the church. And this week, or this month, I should say, we're excited that we're going to continue some of our conversation that we started several months ago. Um, just periodically, we want to break open different parts of the Mass. And so today, I think we're going to break open the Liturgy of the Word, which is very exciting. Yeah, we did. Uh, the last uh, the last time we uh, looked at one of the parts of the Mass was the introductory rites. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we looked at each part of that, broke every part of it open. Um, and we want to do the same with the Liturgy of the Word. Now, one thing, Timothy, I mean, we we touch on the Word in just about every show, right? Oh, I my mean, gosh, it yes. Is, it is central. It permeates pretty much everything. <laughs> it, it does. And uh, most definitely uh, the liturgies of the Church. Um, the, you know, it, 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 is, it, is, it is such a foundational part of any liturgy. Um, you know what? In fact, remind me of that. Bring me back to that later. <laughs> um, that 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 we touch on it in 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 some aspect in every show. But this time we want to focus our whole time on the uh, the liturgy of the word. Just real quick, how do you think? Let me ask you this. And I, and we didn't do this in our prep, but <laughs> how do, how do you think most Catholics look at the liturgy of the word? Ooh, putting me on the spot. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I would basically say, I think, based on the experiences I've had, not only within my family and within the church and, and certainly working with, with ministers, is it's, uh, it's an important piece of the liturgy that often is experienced passively. Um, or they're, you know, they sit down and they hear somebody else proclaim, they might follow along in their missalette, but it in hearing people talk about it, I don't find that they're very engaged in it often. Interesting. To talk more about that idea of, of, of passivity. Well, I, I think in some ways uh, it, it's easy to consider the the proclamation of the Word, that whole section, the whole liturgy of the Word, especially the proclamation itself, um, in somewhat a passive way because we sit down um, we, you know, as our posture changes, our mindset changes, we embody the we prayer We just sit and listen. And we just sit and listen, like we do with television, we do with the radio. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's not at all not at all what the liturgy is asking us to do, as we've talked about on this show numerous times in terms of active conscious participation. Um, so I, I think sometimes uh, because we can get into the routine or the rhythm of, oh, we said this prayer, the collect's finished, now we sit down. And we can take that passive mode, whereas really, I, I Sister uh, Catherine, Kathleen Harmon once said to, in a workshop I was with with her, um, said that if the if the scriptures aren't being proclaimed well and not rousing you to the edge of your seat and ready for mission, then they're not being proclaimed well enough. Wow. And and I I use that image a lot because I think there's truth in that. When I think about my own experience of hearing the word being proclaimed either well or very poorly, um, but is it really? moving me to mission? Yeah. Is, it, is it rousing my heart to really go forward? That's not a passive response. When, when you're allowing the Word of God to wash over you in a way that uh, really in, enlivens the Spirit within you, um, it's like you can't wait to get out of the church, not because Mass, but, <laughs> but 
out so that you can be with the people of God, to proclaim that that love and mercy, to witness wow. um, with the poor and the suffering and the marginalized, whatever it might be. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, the, you bring up a good point, even just in terms of posture. I don't think many people realize, but sitting is actually a posture of res, 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 what's the word I want? Receptive. Receptivity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when, 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 when the Pope receives guests, right. what posture does he most often take? He's seated in right. the chair. When, when the king or the queen receives guests, right? It, yeah. It, so, I mean, it, it, sitting, it's not passive. It's, 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 it's being receptive. It's being open. Well, you just made me think of, because um, before the show we were talking about the diaconate ordinations, and it makes me think of even in the ordination rite, if I remember correctly, um, one, the bishop can usually often is seated in uh, to preach in that as, particular as case. Ca- as Cardinal Supich was yesterday. Yeah, and so there's there is an interesting um, thing, to, uh, symbol in that, or a sign to reflect upon about what does it mean. In, in some ways, that made me think of dialogue, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But um, yeah, can I think it'd be good for our listeners to to consider when they are sitting to hear the word of God proclaimed in the first, second reading in that psalm, uh, how do you have your body positioned in that seated position, if you will, um, to be open and receptive? Yeah, to receive the word that's being yeah. proclaimed. Well, I mean, and, and well, that leads us really into kind of the, the, the whole theology and the spirituality of the liturgy of the word. So, so structurally, right, I mean, you kind of alluded to it. Liturgy of the word begins after the opening collect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the liturgy of the word goes to the, uh, the uh, general intercessions, the mm-hmm. universal prayer, the prayer of the faithful. So from, from the first reading to the uh, universal prayer, that's structurally the liturgy of the, the word. word. And, and we've, we've been introduced to it, right? Uh, if any of the listeners uh, were part of our show when we talked about the opening rites, I mean, that's part of what the opening rites are meant to do, right? They prepare us right. to... Uh, to receive the word and to receive the Eucharist. Yeah, to enter into the sacred mysteries, you know, right. so that we can be fully uh, conscious and active and participating right. in what the word of God, not just in, in the proclamation of the scripture, but in the prayer text, in the songs, in the people that we've gathered with, that the that God is present to us and that we are present to God. The opening rites bring us bring, make of the individual Christians present the body of Christ. The bo- yeah. So the body of Christ has gathered. It has addressed the Father in the opening prayer. The body of Christ then moves into the liturgy of the Word. And as we said, it starts with the first reading, goes all the way to the intercessions. But it's kind of tied to that question I asked earlier. I mean, I agree. I think most people, most Catholics look at the liturgy of the Word as the time when we sit and we listen to Scripture readings. Yeah, but it's 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 so much more than that. I mean, I guess you got to start by talking about a, a Catholic understanding of the word when it's proclaimed, right? Um, I mean, it's these aren't these aren't just scripture stories. These aren't just accounts of something that happened two thousand years ago. Right. When we understand the word proclaimed as it's the living word of God. Yeah, it it, it is living and active. I mean, you were just saying that made me think of when we think about. Before scripture was even written down in, in a book, right. the community shared it orally. I mean, we know from Justin Martyr in the first century, second century. I always get my dates wrong. But but one of the 150. early— 150. Thank you. So even in one of his earlier writings, he talks about members of the community standing up to share their story in the Apology. It, it, I don't remember exactly, exactly how it is, but that's what—it was always done orally. It was a living word passed on from person to person. Um, from community to community. And we continue that today because it, it really takes root in our hearts. So it isn't just story time or the lecture getting up, but it is Christ himself who shares the good news. Yeah. And that's a really particular uh, aspect to think about within the Catholic context of, of how Scripture works in this way. Well, and, and we, we, we hear that, right? We say, oh, it's the Word of God. But what, what do most people understand that to mean? What it means is it literally is the living word of God yeah. that's being proclaimed. It's, 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 it's present. It's here. It's now. It's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago, right? It's, um, we, we mentioned this earlier. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the Hebrew word for the God's word is, is dabar. Yeah. And, and, but, but we miss something in the English translation. 
In, in, mm. in the Hebrew, there's almost an active connotation to it. That, that, that idea that it, there's, there's, it's almost like a verb. Um, and it's hard to articulate because of the English we don't. Right, unfortunately, right. yeah, those, those language doesn't well, work the same we way. Hear it, we hear it in the scripture itself, right? Isaiah 55, yeah, yeah. just like the rain and the snow do not return to me until it mm. has watered the earth, made it fertile, softened the ground, says the Lord. Just like that, my word does not come back to me empty. Yeah. until it has achieved that for which I have sent it. Wow. Isaiah 55. So that's, but, but go back to the word achieves something. The word does something. You know, the Lord says through Isaiah, right. it does not come back to me until it achieves that for which I sent it. So there's a purpose to the, that God's word. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that kind of connects, I think, to what, what I was sharing about what Sister Kathleen was yes. getting at. Was that if the Word of God doesn't in, in, penetrate our heart in, in a way that it's transforming us, transforming our, our action, transforming the way that we uh, engage the world, engage our family, it's, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Or we're not allowing, we're not receiving it. That's the better way to probably say that. We're not receiving right. the Word of God right. in a way that is permitting us to be transformed. It has power. The Word of God yeah. has power when it's proclaimed. Um, I, I, I know that the listeners have heard me say this before, and I say it a lot in, in presentations and such, but I think a good image of the what we Catholics understand uh, uh, Scripture proclaimed, mm -hmm. the living Word of God, I think a good example of that is the first story of creation. How, mm -hmm. how, how does God create in the first story of creation? He breathes. It's his breath, the ruha. The, he speaks. <laughs> right. He's, right. He speaks it. He speaks creation into existence. Yeah. Let there be, he said. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was. Let there be light. And so there was light. God said. That's the living word of God. God said, let the earth uh, uh, be separated from the heavens by a dome. And it was. And it was. That, so, I mean, God, it, it's, it's the second story of creation where God forms Adam out of the clay, right. right? But it's not the first story. Right. There's the 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 creation of the universe comes from God speaking it into existence. And, and, That's the living word of God. Well, and it makes me, and maybe this is off target a little bit, but it makes me think of all throughout the Old Testament, even leading up to John's gospel, um, where we hear about the word made flesh. But the logos, the word throughout the Old Testament is this living word. Uh, uh, it's hard to kind of even like articulate, no, no, no. but no, it, I know what you're saying because it's it. I mean, this is this is really compact. You know, this is in a nutshell, right? But the dabar, the Hebrew understanding of God's word, mm -hmm. the Christians took that and they understood that to be what you just said, logos. They yeah. understood that to be Christ, right? They 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 understood they understood the living word of God, but they applied that to Christ after the death and resurrection yeah. of Christ, and said, that's the living word of God, Logos. And, and that's what we hear in John's Gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word, word. was with God, and the word was, was God. God. That's One of the best readings. Logos, I know, I know, I love that. It, that, that that's, that's Christ then, in, 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 uh, Christians inherited that understanding of Dabar, Right. And they applied it to Christ. So th that's a Catholic understanding of Scripture, and I don't think many Catholics have that. Well, and, and, and even with that, it's like it's a sacrament uh, in, in a sense. It's not very a, sacramental. Because as we hear and allow the Word of God to permeate us, just as Christ is the Word, and we then go from the liturgy, we become that same Word. I mean, we, be, we share in that proclamation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you just brought up a, a, a great image um, uh, that I think I think we're going to take a break, Brian. Are we going to move on? We're going to take a break. All right, I'll save it for afterwards. Stay with us here on Catholic Chicago, Focus on the Liturgy, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. We'll be right back.
It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, Call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. I'm laughing at our producer, Brian. <laughs> his, his, our, welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ Catholic Chicago. I'm Todd Williamson. And I'm Timothy Johnston. We are breaking open the Liturgy of the Word. We started this earlier in the year where periodically we'll take uh, particular parts of the Mass and break them open. And today it is the Liturgy of the Word. Liturgy of the Word begins with the first reading, ends with the universal prayer, the prayer of the faithful. Um, everything in between that is part of the liturgy of the word. And Timothy, before that first break, we were just talking and situating uh, a Catholic understanding of Scripture when it's proclaimed in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And 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 we said it's it's the idea that it's it, it's God's word, it's God's living word. But maybe put a nuance to that. You look at the general instruction of the Roman Missal. It's uh, Article Twenty Nine. Uh, it's it's uh, the the general instruction of the Roman Missal are the the universal norms for how mass is to be celebrated all over the world. And in the portion uh, a portion where it's talking about the liturgy of the word, it says this: When the scriptures are proclaimed in church, God Himself speaks to His people, and Christ, present in His own word, proclaims the gospel. That's almost verbatim. I love 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 that line. <laughs> I love that 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 article. It's just uh, because it that's the liturgy of the word. When the scripture, listen to this again. I yeah. don't think many Catholics understand this. Right, you this would way. listen. I think you would listen differently if you knew this. <laughs> when the scriptures are proclaimed in church, God Himself speaks to His people. Yeah. That's the living Word of God. That's what we were talking about before the first break, and that and that living Word is proclaimed. God speaks to us through those readings. Any lector who's listening, that should. That should literally, uh, that should literally, literally knock you out off your feet. Yeah, it, when, as you were saying that, the image that comes to mind that I've always shared with lectors, uh, because I'm a musician myself, one of the things I think because of that particular article in the Germ, that any lector, um, well, really in, any minister, but in this case the lector, has to free themselves enough so that the Word of God can speak through. So I always like imagine a flute. And the flautist, oh, wow. as they breathe into the flute, um, they are, they're allowing that to produce the sound. So they're participating in it, but it's ultimately a little bit more. So we're, in a sense, the instrument. It's not the best analogy. No, we are the instrument it's, of but God. It's, yeah. it, it works. Like We're an instrument that God is breathing through um, and allowing the Word to, uh, His Word, as He speaks to us, um, to come uh, through that minister. I think that that's, that also just articulates what the uh, Second Vatican Council said when it talked about the fourfold, it's actually fivefold, fivefold presence of Christ in the liturgy. 
Christ is present in the body gathered. Mm -hmm. Christ is present in the minister. Christ is present in the word. Yep. And, and then uh, the, most people will then say, and then most un- uniquely and powerfully in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. But that, but that article also says the sacraments. He's present in the oh, sacraments, sure. and we forget that. But go back to that third part. He's present in the assembly, the minister. He's present in the Word. Christ is already present to us in yeah. the Word, because when the Scriptures are proclaimed in church, God Himself speaks to His people, and then Christ. The rest of that is, and Christ, present in His own Word proclaims the gospel. Proclaims Christ himself gospel. proclaims the good news. The good news. Yeah. I mean, that's a profound thing to think about. It is. It is. And, and, and that kind of goes to what we were talking about a little, uh, even before the show, is that dialogue that happens between the assembly and Christ, the dialogue between, the whole liturgy is dialogical in that sense. Tim- Timothy, you're opening up a completely different aspect of, of uh, the liturgy of the word. Because even that, uh, you know, that quote from the general instruction, mm-hmm. when the scriptures are read in church, God himself speaks to his people. Even that can lead me yeah. to a certain passivity. Okay, I sit and all I do then, great, great, uh, it's God speaking. I just sit and I listen to God. Right, like a lecture in a classroom yes, or something. Yes, but you just brought up an image that um, I, I fell in love with when I read it in Days Domini. John Paul II, St. Mm-hmm. John Paul II used that image in Days Domini. Uh, keeping the Lord's Day holy is the English translation. Uh, 1997 uh, uh, apostolic letter that what that, that is just beautiful, and I've talked about it on this show so many times. But uh, any listener who's interested, uh, it's Saint John Paul II, Days Domini. You can Google it. You can find it on the Vatican website. Anyways, in that he talks about he's talking about and writing about the Mass as the uh, heart of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then while talking about the Mass, he addresses the Liturgy of the Word. And he says, uh, the, 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 when the Scriptures are, are read, the, the, the Liturgy of the Word is less a time for catechesis and meditation yeah. and more a dialogue between God and His people. That's the image that John Paul used, and I fell in love yeah. with that. The idea that the, the Liturgy of the Word is a dialogue, it's a conversation, right? Which, which implies something. It, it implies... Two people, right? I mean, there's a it's relational. Right. I mean, ultimately, it's. I mean, first and foremost, we've been united in baptism to Christ, so we have a relationship already. And part of our baptismal role in this liturgical act that we're doing is our priestly ministry. Part of this, which we can get into later, but is this dialogue that we have between uh, ourselves and Christ, not only as individual but as body, yeah. as 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 the whole community. And the relationship implies that we bring everything that entails, joys, sorrows, um, questions, all of that into that dialogue. And that's what you said earlier, Todd, that the scriptures as they're proclaimed, it's not just something about the history, but it is about now. We, we interpret and we hear those scriptures proclaimed in the current context of our lives, yes. the current context of the world, because God continues to break that open with us. That's what God's Word continues to, He's inviting us. It continues to do that for which He sent it. Yeah, exactly. Like Isaiah says. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that whole idea of dialogue, I think that speaks to that idea that w- you talked about earlier, that a dialogue implies, it, it's not passive. Dialogues aren't passive. John Paul II right. didn't say that the liturgy of the Word is a monologue between God and His people, like the lecture you said. Right. It's a dialogue that implies two people. It implies a give and a take. It, it implies uh, speaking and responding, speaking and responding. Yeah. So it's not passive. So right. if it's a dialogue, and I love to break this open a little bit, but if it's a dialogue between God and His people, how does that dialogue play out? Because I, mm. because people, again, people say, okay, yeah, God speaks to us in the Scripture, so I just sit and listen. No. It actually, there, it is a call and re- it's, it's It's a conversation is what the liturgy of the Word is. And, and Benedict said it this way. He said, um, and, and it calls for a response from the people and not just at Mass. So for our listeners, how do you respond to God who speaks to us in the Scriptures? Think, think about mm-hmm. that liturgy of the Word. I, yeah, you're right. And I'm just thinking how a listener or people I've ministered with might say, well, a response isn't necessarily dialogue. So, though I think it, it's a, it is a reaction. So, in your own experience, what, what does it look like 
um, and I'm playing devil's advocate here a little bit, um, to help uh, the listener a little more concretely think, while I'm in the liturgy itself, how do I actually dialogue yeah. in that moment? Because I am sitting there, I'm hearing these words. So what does the dialogue look like? I, in, its, in its basic form, and I know this is really base, this is really elementary, but in its basic form, I, it, it's not, thanks be to God. That's, that's right. not my response right. to the Word. So if you use the Sunday pattern of the Liturgy of the Word as the best example. If it's a conversation between God and us, and God's, when the Scriptures are read, God speaks to his people, who starts the conversation in the Liturgy of the Word? What's the first part of the Liturgy of the Word? The first reading. The first reading, right. So God speaks first yeah. through the Scriptures. God finishes speaking to us in that first reading. How do we respond? The psalm. The psalm, yeah. We respond to God who just spoke to us in that first reading with the psalm. And I love how the liturgy, how the church puts the very words of Scripture on our lips as our response as our, to God. Right, as it was for the Jewish community. Yes. I mean, they were singing these yep. texts. So, again, I know this is really elementary. God speaks in the first reading, we respond with the psalm. Then whose turn is it? It's a conversation, mm-hmm. right? It means back and forth. Then it's God's turn again. Speaks to us in the second reading. Yeah. And then, then after that, it's our turn. How do we respond? Alleluia. In an acclamation, yeah. In the, and then, then, then whose turn is it again? The very Christ through through His very words and life in yeah. the proclamation of the gospel. So I, I know it's elementary, but no, there, no. there's that back and forth. So I guess but I, I would just I want to yeah. I think that's a great thing uh, um, uh, image even as as basic as that might be for people to kind of grasp and and begin to think about what is it how do I engage in each parts of that liturgy um, uh, as I'm listening but I would also add I think to the conversation um, piece is any part of a conversation is the listening component yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and that's why I wanted to highlight right. that too because we've talked a little bit about this in in some other shows that listening isn't passive and that we can as we are hearing that word we and it's and it's stirring within us we're formulating questions we're contemplating that that allows us to respond in in the way because even if Todd and I were here talking about um, the the Cubs game or some other uh, uh, event <laughs> yes I'm going to listen so I can I can get the clues and the context about what, why does this intrigue Todd so much so that I can follow up with question or I can follow up with a comment and with a comment and I can engage the relationship in a different way. That's exactly what the liturgy of the word exactly. is. It's between it's and 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 it, the two active participants are us as the body and God and, Himself. And and I think even in that liturgy, God is listening as oh, well. Oh yes. So. As we are hearing that word and what's ever stirring in our heart, that's that's the Holy Spirit inviting us to pay attention to whatever word phrase from the Scripture or event seems to be catching your imagination or attention at that time. God's paying attention to that. That's how we're dialoguing as well. That's part of it. It's not the only thing, but and and that is put into conversation with the Scriptures itself. I love. So, what does that say to people who go? Uh, I can, I can, I can come in, I can come in at the second reading and it still quote counts. Right. <laughs> right. You've missed half the conversation, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> it's like gossip. <laughs> you, you, you sort of end up at a party, you come in at the end of something and you only hear part of the story. Oh, the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. And, and just in this last minute before we have to take a break, before the show, you made a great comment. You said, listening is communal. It's not, it, yeah. we do it together. Right. In the liturgy of the word. Right, exactly. Like, it's not just me sitting there in my isolated world listening to this, but we as a body are in silence, listening together collectively. And there's a power... speak in the scriptures. Yeah, and there's power in that that I don't think we really have tapped into what silence really can do for us as a community within the conversation, the dialogue of the liturgy. And so when I'm sitting there, I'm not just thinking about how this impacts me. I think about how it impacts my parish community of St. Michael's or whatever. The city of Chicago. The city of Chicago, my family. Illinois, the Um, world. Yeah, like all of that is in dialogue. Um, so, So think about that the next time, being there together in silence and what that means. We're breaking open the Liturgy of the Word. We'll continue this when we come back from these messages. Stay with us for more Focus on the Liturgy.
Since 2006, the Charities Golf Classic has been held each summer to raise critical funds for Catholic Charities of Lake County. While this event cannot be held this year in person, your help is needed now more than ever. An online event is being held for all those who regularly attend this outing and want to continue their tradition of support. Your donation to Catholic Charities will ensure that all programs are running at full strength when people need help most. 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to helping people in need. Be a champion and support the Charities Golf Classic this year. Go to catholiccharities.net and search for Charities Golf Classic or call 847-782-4119. That's 847-782-4119. Thank you. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless, to our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to the second half of Focus on the Liturgy, an element of programming of Catholic Chicago. If you are just joining us, I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And I'm Timothy Johnston from Liturgy Training Publications. We are breaking open the Liturgy of the Word. It is a part of every rite of the Church. I don't know how we've gotten 30 minutes into the show and never said that. The Liturgy of the Word was restored in the Second Vatican Council Mm -hmm. as a foundational element of any liturgy. So there is not one official formal rite of the Church that does not involve some proclamation of Scripture. Yeah, I think about this with reconciliation often because I do too. <laughs> it, it is it is the, the proclamation of the Word of God, even in the sacrament of reconciliation, whether it's individual or communal, um, you know, in the sense of, of the form. It's in the ritual. It's in the ritual. And I must say, I'm going to confess, every time I've ever gone to confession, there was been no the scripture. Word has never been proclaimed. Yeah. But but everything, every sacrament, every obviously every Mass, every uh, morning prayer and evening prayer, yeah. even the Visits to the sick. Visits to the sick. Even the blessing of animals on yeah. the, the Feast of St. Francis involves the proclamation of Scripture in the, in the full rite. Yeah. So, so uh, that we're, we're breaking this open, and, and where we were in the first that before that last break, Tim, talking about the Liturgy of the Word as, the, as a dialogue between God and His people, mm-hmm. and, and, and how, how as, as Pope Benedict said, how that dialogue, uh, when, when the Scriptures are proclaimed, and it's God speaking to us, it calls a response forth from us, that we have to respond. You have to respond. And, 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 and you know, as we said, most often we see it in that conversation, that give and take. God speaks in the first reading, we respond to him in the psalm. God speaks in the second mm-hmm. reading, we respond in the acclamation. God speaks in the gospel and the homily, we respond with I believe. I believe. Right? Yeah. I, be- I believe in God the Father. Th- that's, our, that's our response. I believe in, in God the Father who just spoke to us in that, yeah. those readings. I believe in Jesus Christ who just preached 
to us in the gospel. I, right? Yeah. And, 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 and that's a most appropriate response, I think, to having heard God speak to us in the, in the scriptures, I believe. Right. And, and again, it's even though we're saying I believe it is an act of the community that even though we're, we're saying that on, on behalf of, of ourselves, or if you it's, will. Or it's the body. Who says I or believe? It's the, exactly. So you could think of that. Yeah, I mean that's so an interesting way to to kind of think about that. But what a what a profound way to uh, uh, respond is to to be nourished by the Word of God, um, and and hopefully our hearts are roused, and then we can confidently stand and say I believe yeah. in this. And we as we move then, which we'll talk on a different show, but we move into the liturgy of the Eucharist. Well. I mean, again, both John Paul and Pope Benedict said it this way, that it calls forth a response from us and not just at Mass. Right, meaning, right. Meaning what you were talking about earlier, that part of our response to hearing God speak to us in the Scriptures, part of our response is given outside of the Church after yeah. Mass. When we, when we go out and put that word into action. Yeah, I often, uh, when I'm doing lecture training, talk to lectors about their role um, outside of the liturgy, and not just in, in proclaiming itself, but what does it mean to be a person of proclamation and inviting your fellow uh, community members into proclaiming, meaning living and responding to the Word of God at the soup kitchen, at, in prison ministry, um, wherever it might be in your, in your parish community. But that is the response. That quote from Isaiah is often used with lecture training, right? I will speak a word that will rouse them, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That's, 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 that's what the word is meant to do. It's meant to rouse us to action, yeah. to living out our baptismal promises. And not just action for action's sake, but uh, and maybe I'm being a little more nitpicky because of my own discernment these days, but it it's because the word, you've fallen in love in a particular way. Like you... Because I can go and do a lots of service, right? And I can hear the Word of God. But the Word of God, because it rouses the heart in a particular way, because of this dialogue, this relationship, it's a response in love. And God does the same thing. Like, I, I'm not going to the soup kitchen because I'm a nice person. Um, I'm going because I love God. Because, and because I've heard His Word. And I've heard His Word, which has and been planted in my heart. Yeah. I think of that old song, Speak, Lord, <laughs> Speak, Lord, yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> um, but but that there's truth in that. Has the Word of God been planted in us in such a way that it it does move us to go out and, and, and in a loving, merciful, compassionate way live live that gospel. Does does the word of God do this when I'm just praying with scripture on my own? Certainly. Certainly. But in a most in in a most powerful and profound way, it's meant to do it in the liturgy. That's the purpose, that's the role of the liturgy of the word in any rite yeah. that we have, right? The um it, it, it I I like how uh the the Roman Missal again w- when it's when it's giving the directives for the Easter vigil. Mm. It says this about the Easter Vigil, but you could say this about any liturgy. It says that the Liturgy of the Word is the foundational element of the whole vigil. Mm-hmm. That's the word it uses. So, what, what I mean, foundational. What is it? What is it? What is? What does it mean to to be? What is the foundation? Yeah, it's that upon which anything, everything else That's is built. built right? What helps it be sturdy and safe and a strong structure, if you will. So, for it's, but I think this is important because it ties into anything that follows the liturgy of the word, whether that's a baptism or a wedding uh, or the Eucharist. the The word is foundational for anything else that follows it. So that means that the proclamation of the word is foundational to our reception of the Eucharist. Oh my gosh, yeah. It, it, it's essential to... You made me think of a whole different image as you were saying this, so I don't want to detract because I think it's connected. But as you were saying that, it goes back to what we said in the first segment about Jesus, the incarnate word. Um, you know, I was taught by incarnate word sisters, so this is... Um, but because of what you just said about the, the Easter Vigil, the foundational piece of that, the word is foundational. Think about what we sing then on Easter Sunday, the psalm, the cornerstone the builders rejected. Jesus is that corn- cornerstone, the foundation. Jesus is the yes, word. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. And like all of that kind of comes together in, in this really great nerdy yeah, liturgical yeah. way. I, yeah, exactly. I love it when we have aha <laughs> moments on our, on, in, in our own show. Um, the, yeah. And so, so it, it, so whatever follows the liturgy of the word 
is based on that right. word proclaimed, right? So and 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 it's and it's here and it's now. It's it, you know it's God speaking at this moment, as we've said. So whatever we hear proclaimed in the scriptures, that mercy of God that we just heard proclaimed in the scriptures is present here now. Yeah. It, it's active. It's it it does something, right? The the love of God that's proclaimed in those scriptures is present here now. The the uh, uh, the power that God has over sin that was just proclaimed in those scriptures is present here now yeah. active in our midst doing something to us yeah it it moves us uh in a in a very active way it's well we, we i think we've shared this on the show before the two tables if you will we can think of the liturgy yeah. of the word as the table of the word that we're being fed we're being nur- nurtured in a particular way that image is in official documents of the church right uh, it, the table of the, the word. table of the word and so it that implies something, I think, pretty profound, because it's so easy to just think about, well, the Eucharist is where Christ is really present. No. I mean, the Church is telling us. Yeah. I, I, I quoted this or referenced it earlier before the show started. There's a quote from St. Jerome. This is paraphrased. I, I, I don't have it verbatim. But, but he says, he says uh, something to this effect. He says, if any one of us were to drop a particle of the Eucharist, we would all be horrified. Mm-hmm. But how many of us drop the word of God from our ears during the liturgy of the word. Mm-hmm. He, he equates the word in the liturgy of the word with the body of Christ. He calls the word the body of Christ. So, so there is intimate, intimate communion, union, no pun intended, between the word proclaimed and the Eucharist that follows. I, I, I'll yeah. say it this way uh, often. The, in the liturgy of the word, we already are in communion with Christ. Right. In the, if, 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 the, if the liturgy of the word is a conversation between God and us, we are already in union. We already have communion. And in fact, the communion that we have in the liturgy of the word is sacramentally made manifest in the Eucharist, in the Eucharist. that follows. Yeah. Right? So I, I just love it, you know, we, uh, how many of us would drop the, the body of Christ that's found in his word? And St. Jerome says, we don't give it a second thought. Well, this is a kind of a practical comment. Well, two things come to my mind is, one is, I think this is one reason why liturgists are a little more uh, conscious of, you know, printed missalettes and things, because it's so easily disposable. And we want, and not, I know people sometimes need those aids, so it's not a a commentary on that. But what I want to add or, or suggest is how do we care for those kinds of resources, maybe, even though they're a little more disposable, but the word of God is present. And, it, and that quote from uh, Jerome makes me think of like, sometimes we do discard things in our life, whether it's missiles or other things, but just like we do the word, um, not sure I made some connections there. But the other thing that made me think of is in the beginning of uh, Benedict's rule, um, he talks about listening with the ear Saint of your Benedict. heart, St. Benedict. Yeah. <clears throat> It, you know, t- listening with the ear of your heart, because in medieval times, they often there, there's paintings and images that the uh, the the tube from your ear went to your heart, like it was a direct line um, into feeding uh, your, your your heart, heart in some way. And I love that image because that's what we're being invited to do. That's the kind of nour- nourishing that's happening as God speaks to us. Um, and so, listen with the ear of your heart. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So. Um, that, that, that whole idea that uh, the liturgy of the word is not just a, a precursor, as, as a word you mm-hmm. used during the break, a precursor to the Eucharist. It is intimately connected yeah. to the Eucharist that follows. And it, yeah, it leads us into... Yeah, the dialogue that, is, that begins, right? So you said, you said earlier in the show, the whole liturgy is dialogical. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 a, it's a conversation between God and us. It's a constant back and forth between God and the body of Christ that has gathered. Um, and, and, and it you know, begins with the introductory rites. It is um, made especially manifest in the liturgy of the Word. Mm-hmm. And that dialogue just continues in the liturgy of the Eucharist that follows. Right. Yeah. And, but, but it's begun. And, and it, it's, it's, it's founded, right, foundational. It's right. founded in, in the liturgy of the Word. Yeah, I think of it as a dinner party. We were kind of using that image uh, a little bit in our conversations was, you know, oftentimes when you bring people into your home to, to share a meal, you often... It's preceded by... Uh, there's conversation, yeah. right? There's there's opportunity to, in a sense, reconnect and make, uh, to foster the relationship that's present, you know, catching up on things um, and, and sharing 
time with one another. And then you usually go into the meal at, it at some point. It leads into the meal. Yeah. It's, not, it's not separate. Right, right. It, 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 you naturally sort of draw yourself towards the table. And, and even though we talk, well, <clears throat> the uh, Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy talks about the liturgy of the, Euchari- the, liturgy of the Word and the Eucharist not as separate, but as two sides of the same coin. That's the mm-hmm. image they use. Right. That the, that the Constitution uses, two sides of the same coin. They're not. They're not separate. They're not different. They're. 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 They're intimately, as we say, connected. And, and to even think about that in the terms of, because as we said at the beginning of this particular segment, was, you know, thinking about uh, how the liturgy, of the word, is in all of the sacraments, other rites. Well, all of those lead back to Eucharist as well. So if I'm celebrating a visit with the sick, eventually. You know, that celebration of the word is always focused back toward the communal celebration of Mass. Um, the celebration of penance, same thing. Recommuning, coming back to. Yep. Um, so Restoration of the body. Yeah, so the word is always leading us to communion in some way. Yeah, yeah. We're going to pick it up there for our last segment when we come back. Stay with us. We're talking about the liturgy of the word, breaking it open. We'll be right back after these messages. More people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on Catholic Chicago. Focus on the Liturgy is our program in it. We are finishing up a conversation about the Liturgy of the Word. We spent the hour breaking it open, looking at the spirituality, the theology of it, even the structure of the Liturgy of the Word. Um, it, re, real quick, Tim, uh, Timothy, we can't, I don't think, talking about the Liturgy of the Word, we, we got we to gotta spend some time talking about the lectionary. Yeah, some of the kind of practical pieces, um, which I think help people maybe enter into uh, the Liturgy of the Word a little more, just when they know a little bit more about it, like right, what it is. Right. So the lectionary, uh, which maybe you're familiar with that word or not, is um, is the book that's used for by the lector or the priest or the deacon when they're proclaiming the scriptures. And it's part of the Roman Missal, but that's a whole other story. Right. Um, but right now, you know, you might see in your parish three or four volumes, depending on the publisher that uses, um, because it's so 
voluminous, they couldn't put it in one. It's, it'd be it, too big. It'd be too big. It's, it's, it's hard to do. And the lectionary um, it just uh, is divided into three cycles that we use. And you're probably somewhat familiar with that. You know, sometimes preachers or deacons talk about that at the beginning of Advent um, every year. We start a new cycle. That's the beginning of our liturgical years we've talked about on the show. And so those three cycles, you might hear people say A, B, or C. or I know, um, very original Right, right. You know, right. <laughs> One, two, year A, year, year B, year C. That's how most people, that's how we refer to it. And, and we, but but it's, it, I, what I think is important in that is it's, it's, it's really one cycle made up of three years. That's a, yes, that's a great right? way to say it. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's three cycle. Or I mean, it's one cycle that is made up of year A, year B, year, and year C. C. This is the, for the Sunday, for the Sunday lectionary. And, and the whole, uh, you know, after when the Second Vatican Council puts together the group uh, that's going to work on the lectionary, uh, we were talking about this before the show. The idea uh, was how do we lay out scripture that helps break open the Paschal mystery, as we've talked about on the show numerous times, that we can enter into the mystery over the course of a liturgical year. And those those three years, um, if you will, um, focus on a particular gospel. Right. Each, so Ma- each year, the, is, it's dominated by, by one gospel. Right. And so it's Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke in, in year C. Um, make sure I say that right. Yep. And... Uh, um, and some people are always like, well, why is John kind of left out? Um, and, and there were conversations about that with, at the council about should we have a four-year uh, uh, set uh, of readings and whatnot. And the, the, they chose to reserve John for High Holy Days um, or to fill in um, in some of the— Particularly, s- particularly Year B. Yeah, with for Mark. The pamphlet that is Mark's gospel right. <laughs> compared to the other ones. It's the shortest gospel. And so, the, yeah, they supplemented uh, the year with Mark— with, with, with John. John, yeah. So we do hear we do hear uh, uh, John for sure um, in, in uh, those times, but uh, it 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 is a way for us to hear different perspectives of the same story um, over the course of, of time. And that one story, as the uh, the document that talks about the liturgical year says, that um, that one story is the yearly unfolding of the mystery of Christ. That's the word that's used, right? The mystery of Christ, the full mystery of Christ, from the incarnation to the promised return in glory at the end of time, right? And, And so each year, that's the story that's told through these scheduled readings of Scripture. Right. So e- even in the coming weeks, notice or start paying attention to how the sh- there will be a shift in the coming weeks of yes. the readings. Um, as Todd noted, it will start kind of talking more about the promise. and The end times. Yeah, end the, times. Es- the eschaton, which so is we are blessed. study of end Yeah, times. we're blessed to be able to talk about uh, about that. But what the, you know, the lectionary, is, I think it's important to remember, it's not the Bible. It co- it's a collection of— Scheduled readings. Of scheduled I love readings, to use that yeah. word scheduled because th- they were they were cho- each Sunday was yeah. chosen purposely to advance the story of the mystery of right. Christ to to um, break open uh, to expound on to celebrate and memorialize the mystery yeah. uh, some aspect of the the mystery of Christ. So it, it, I love that too the schedule uh, and I also like the image of curated. Yes. Um, that that the the committee or the concilium uh, that that really worked on this, you know, looking at scripture scholars and looking at how that mystery is is proclaimed in the scriptures, you know, choosing carefully and and wisely to craft and and I love that image of of curating a beautiful piece of yes. of art in a sense so that God's word can be proclaimed um, to help reveal that mystery. You know, just real quickly, I don't think many uh, Catholics uh, know this as well, but. When they crafted the the liturgy, as we say, they began with the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Chose a first reading Did, for the listeners. Didn't you ever? Don't you ever notice that uh, a, a typical Sunday, more often than not, the first reading and the gospel are intimately connected, mm-hmm. either by a theme or a, a imagery. Well, that was a done on purpose, yep. right? And then they chose the psalm to connect to the gospel as well. And as you said during the break, that poor second reading. <laughs> Did you ever notice at Mass, more often than not, the Gospel, the first reading, the Psalm, they all go together, and then out of left field comes the second reading that seems not connected at all, except during the high seasons of Lent and Easter, yeah. Advent and Christmas. Um, well, the, the, what they decided would that the second reading would be a, a semi-continuous reading of the letters, uh, the epistles, and mm-hmm. Revelation. 
Yeah, and, and, and there, again, it is God's Word, and it's really profound, and um, some preachers are very good at, at connecting or making connections. Often, it, as I said, it is, it is forgotten. <laughs> but that's, that is how, how it was chosen, because that was one of the conversations they, they even had in, the, in crafting the lectionary was, how many readings do we actually have? Like, what do we proclaim one? Do we proclaim two? Is there, you know, so all of those kinds of things were discussed because before the Second Vatican Council, there was there was, it was very, only one cycle. Yeah, one, it, was, it was one yearly cycle, which meant that the the reading we heard last Sunday was the exact same reading we'd hear on that Sunday next year. Right, and you may hear it once or twice, even in the week to follow, it, because there was there was just such a limited amount. And I shared with Todd, and I don't remember the numbers exactly, but around or less than 1% of the Old Testament was proclaimed in the previous cycle of the lectionary. Yeah. And most of that happened at the Easter Vigil or around Triduum time. So you rarely heard the Old Testament proclaimed at the liturgy before the revision of the lectionary. I don't remember what the numbers were for the New Testament, but it was it was pretty low as well. Um, the Constitution that called for the revision of the lectionary said it this way. Uh, I want to say this is Article 51 around there. Uh, it says that <clears throat> the the scriptures sh should th there should be more scriptures proclaimed, a more lavish fare yes. for the people to hear, uh, and 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 that image a lavish was the word that it, in one translation, and I just love that it's like a banquet. That's the imagery I get it, with lavish. It really is a beautiful. <clears throat> Well, and think about, I mean, I, this is what I love in some ways about the, the council, in many ways about the council, is before that, um, there, there was a particular approach that the Catholic Church took towards Scripture. It wasn't for the laity. We had very little access to the right. Scripture, in, in, and, and we've inherited that over centuries. Um, and, and oftentimes you'll hear, you know, Catholics don't know anything about Scripture. Well, that was something the council and, and following um, changed. Th changed dramatically yep. and dramatically emphasized that the people of God, just as you said, lavishly, like they need access to God's Word, so let it be plentiful. And if you even think about, um, so not just even in the Liturgy of the Word, but if you look at even the prayer texts and a lot of our, our texts throughout the Liturgy, they're rooted in Scripture. Oh my gosh, yeah. So it's it's a profound, uh, we are pretty much inundated with Scripture throughout the whole Liturgy. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, yeah, this would be a, a topic for another show, but <laughs> but even um, uh, look at the the response to the invitation to communion. It's save one word. It is a it is a, a direct quote from Scripture. Right, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul. That's the one word that's changed. Yeah, in the gospel, it's my slave will be healed. Yeah, but uh, it it is literally a the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Those are direct quotes from Scripture. So yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. the the liturgy is inundated with with Scripture. Well, well the one thing we, we haven't yet really talked about, um, and just briefly, is that the liturgy of the Word concludes with the universal prayer or the intercessions. Um, that's that's what kind of brings this all to a close. So we've heard the Word of God. The Word of God has roused our heart in a particular way, and we ask for more of it. And we ask for more of it in yeah. the in the intercessions, yeah. right? And and I think we ask for more of it, but and it clues us into what we need to ask for. Yes, because we've been praying with the Word of God in that dialogue. In that dialogue, the intercessions they are a response to what we heard. What we've heard exactly. Right? So they, they're not just some willy nilly. Prayer. Ideally, they should flow out of the, yeah. the scriptures of the day, and and they prepare us and set us up then to share at the table, um, in a more profound, intimate way as well, um, and that. The praying of the intercessions. So this is why we dismiss catechumens um, before the profession of faith and the intercessions, because part, it's part of, of our baptismal responsibility, yeah, part of our baptismal responsibility, as our priestly ministry is baptized. Remember, your baptized priest, prophet, and king is to pray those prayers. We've been talking about the liturgy of the word over the year. Timothy and I said we would periodically take different parts of the mass, break them open, talk about them. Hopefully we've done that with this. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next month. Thanks, everyone. God bless. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.